welcome to another episode of Rhythm and Bay. As always, I'm your host, who does the most, Jasmine Ellis. And I know, can you believe it? I'm gonna fucking say it again. I am going to say that I'm so excited to be talking to today's guest because I only pick dope people. I am so excited to have the super funny Chenna Duunaka. Hey. Yeah, what up, though? How you doing, Jazz? I'm good. I'm in a really, really good place. I uh, am quitting my little day job for now. I, in my head, I'm like, this is it. You go full-time comedy. But who knows? I um, I will not be so arrogant as not to believe that I might end up back at Macy's next year. Who knows? Hey, uh, hey, <laughs> ain't nothing wrong with it. Where are you at Macy's right now? I'm a freelancer, so they send me to like, different stores. But that's like one of them I would go to, yeah. Okay, what, what do you do as a freelancer? So I freelance by going to different stores, working with a cosmetic brand. So like pre-COVID, that would mean like doing people's makeup, selling them, like really showing them things. But uh, now I just kind of explain why people should buy things, which isn't as much uh, fun. It's a little bit harder. Uh, can How long you been in L.A.? I'm from L.A. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, then maybe you don't know because maybe you're just, you're used to speaking to the women of Los Angeles. But they have... LA women ask a lot of questions for no reason. And it's uh, like conversation with them just go in a circle. So you'd be like, yeah, yeah, this one's fantastic. It stays on all day. So are you saying it stays on all day? Mm, I just said it stays on all day. So like if mm-hmm. I wear it all day, it'll be on there. That's what that means. So like I'm just going in circle. It just it started mm-hmm. to wear me. Am I crazy or do LA women ask the same question over and over and over in a conversation? <laughs> I just think that's you're dealing with customers who's been jaded by buying things from sales professionals because oftentimes the thing never does what it says it's going to do. So they want to hear you say it three times just to make sure you mean it. Oh, so mm-hmm. y'all got so many scammers out here that like there's so, just a natural mistrust of anyone you're talking to. All facts. If you're trying to sell me something like I have a my cousin is trying to set me up with a meeting with him so he can for some company that he's in where he's going to show me all these new knives and i was like i have no interest in buying knives right now he was like come on man just do me a favor it's it'll only take an hour <laughs> like an hour is a long time so yeah people just um they just don't trust a salesperson like that it's <laughs> a lot of scammers out here for sure that makes sense okay i was like are y'all dumb or am i tired you know what i mean i was like something's in between and like the they think i'm lying to them i'm like that i get that yeah. makes perfect mm-hmm. sense. I yeah. understand thinking you're being scammed, but Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Um, I well, don't know. you're done I... now. Mm-hmm. Well, you're done, and you'll never have to go back. Yeah, that's where we're manifesting. We're believing that. I 100%. can't believe I'm saying shit like manifest now. I went, I had a moment today where I was putting up this, um, for those of y'all, y'all can't hear, I have a room divider because I have full-on ADD. You listen to the podcast, you know that. And I have a room divider to separate it. Well, I was setting this up and I knocked over all my crystals and I was like, oh no, my crystals. And I was like, that is the most LA shit I've ever said about that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I see a lot of crystals in my friends' apartments and stuff. And um, I just hope it works out. You know, you're not getting into any of that. No, no, nah, no. Nah, you know, when they were there, I touch them, you know, whatever, whatever they ask me to do. I'll, I'll, you know, the energies, I'll spray the Alyssa. What's that little uh, superstitious spray? Do you crazy ladies uh, spray into the air? Before I don't know about no superstitious spray. It's like, <laughs> oh, you must be like in deep. You might have friends who are no, like, not me. yeah, oh, they're in deep. Yeah, they're it's collecting like the... moon water, which is just like water you leave out during the moon to charge it. And then you spray oh. Yeah, I, I read into it a little bit. Honestly, they're just more decorative. But I'm yeah. like, this makes me feel happy. I like having it. 
Like, yeah, I just I just knock on wood for most things. Other than that, you know, I leave it to the universe to decide. I don't try to and instigate the decision, Jazz. You know, <laughs> everybody has if everybody has crystals going out for the audition, Jazz. Look, man, that's true. I'm still going to the best person. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so, like everybody's crystals are just canceling each other's crystals out. Like, <laughs> everybody's crystals catch each other's out. Guess you have to learn. There's only so much rose quartz. Like what you gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> Guess you have to show up to that networking event, Jazz. I don't think the crystals is gonna, you know. I mean, I feel like it's uh, crystals are kind of like, but I'm also that's the funny thing is I'm also Christian. So, like, I believe it's all at work. I'm like, God made the crystals and then made me mm-hmm. and then made mm-hmm. the audition. And it's just, it's going to be what it's going to be. And it's all going to be all right. I just have to believe in myself. I'm wild like that. Um, <laughs> are you superstitious at all? Like, do you have any, like, um, well, let me ask you this. As a comedian, a performer, do you have, like, a superstitious, like, maybe a favorite song you listen to before you go on stage? Uh, not so much. If I'm exhausted, then I'll listen to uh, certain songs that get me pumped. Maybe like uh, Louis Fiasco's Emperor Soundtrack mm. is a really good walk to the stage song. I got a whole walk to the stage playlist. Oh, you know? okay. Because if I'm about to do an hour, I'll probably need a little bit more energy. So there's certain songs that gets me in the mood. But as far as like songs to kill nerves or anything like that, now I don't really get nervous before I walk on stage. So. For me, it's not nerves as much as it's like sometimes I need to get myself out of the headspace I was in before. Like whatever yeah. else I was worried about, somebody cut me off in traffic, some stupid shit at my job. Like it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So I'll just put like I call it like I don't know if dudes have the same thing, but for me, it's like that I am that bitch type of music. Like, <laughs> like I'm supposed <laughs> to be here, and it like puts you yeah. in that like correct headspace. No, I think for sure there's there's some tracks out there for me um, that does that for me. I know in the gym, I, I use those more. But as mm. far as like prepping for a show, a little shot of tequila and the day is off my brain. You know, I don't like to get drunk before I perform, but usually I have one drink or half a drink. My go to is like tequila and Red Bull or tequila and orange juice. And I'm, I'm good to go. Ah, tequila and orange juice. That is yeah. gross. Uh. What? <laughs> I don't, yeah, well, you know, man, we don't get to drink alcohol for taste. We drink it for strictly the function. The function, Woman. the function of getting to the destination. Okay. Exactly. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. All right. So the first section of the way we do this podcast, we're going to start out by doing a section that's called off the record. And our off the record segment, this is where we talk about different things that have historically happened in music, like controversies, big things, little things, big, big moments in music history that have created something. And then the next thing we're going to do is called the story of your life. This is where, um, this is where we create your podcast. I'm sorry, your playlist. It's already my, it's my podcast. It's not yours, Chenadu. It's mine. Uh, it's, it's my podcast, but it's your playlist based on your life. So we're going to get into that next. And then we've got an advice yeah. segment. But first, we're going to do off the record. Now, let me ask you a question that usually has so many fun answers. Are you a Prince fan? A Prince fan? You know what? If I'm going to be honest, it's mm-hmm. a yes and a no. Okay. In terms of do I enjoy Prince music? Yes. Did I grow up with listening to Prince at all? No. Like, I only know... And it sucks to say this out loud, but maybe like nine, eight Prince songs. And, um, you know, it's never like, yo, put on Prince. I never have that, that mood. Like, I need to hear Prince right now for this certain thing. 
But mm-hmm. Prince is one of, I mean, I know he's a great artist. I just didn't grow up with him, you know? And that's okay. That's one thing I like about what I'm doing is I want this to be accessible. And like, I, do you feel like there's a little bit of snobbery about music? Like sometimes it's like you can like a musician a little bit. And if you don't know every time they blinked on a record since 1958, you're not a fan. And like, it's, it's why is, why are music heads so like competitive like that? It's so weird to me. Well, I think it's, uh, for some, it's about knowing the history of music that's important. I think musicians, I mean, music heads who get passionate about it are a little bit snobbish. I think it is justified when it comes to a person like ranking the best musicians in the world and they only rank the 10 that they know in terms of like their generation knows versus like considering the whole, you know, gamut of music then I can understand how music's not might feel offended by that because you're only representing necessarily like your class musicians. Mm-hmm. But other than that, someone's just saying like, no, I don't listen to Prince. I don't think that's a big deal because there's so much good music there out there to listen to. And there's so much good music out there to listen to that hasn't been discovered yet. If someone doesn't have time to listen to a certain artist, I think we should music, give them a pass. I, I will say music lovers can be so easily triggered. Like my favorite yeah. shit. Are you on TikTok at all? I have a TikTok, but no, 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 no. One of my favorite things is when young people, and I, I'm 32, so I can refer to people younger than me as young people. When people yeah. who are like young, young, like 16, whatever, they mm-hmm. will do this shit where they'll be like, music, you have to know, 90s edition, and you put a finger down if you know a song. And then they'll yeah. dead ass stare at the camera like, uh, what is in sync? Uh, yeah. What the hell is Janet Jackson? And everyone in the comments loses it. And these fucking kids are trolls. They're trolls. I know their yeah. parents drove them around in the car, and at some Facts. point, they heard the most popular song in 2007. It didn't matter exactly. that they were eight; they heard it. But like, they're pretending. They they, yeah, yeah, they're pretending they don't know it, so that people like you and me and older get so mad. And they're like, "Y'all don't know shit." I hate your generation. <laughs> exactly. If I knew what Rocket Man was back when I was a kid, then you definitely know what the fuck NSYNC is. You know, <laughs> Rocket Man, Rocket Man, on and on and on. I think you got to pay for that. I can't even sing that song. I am allowed up to seven seconds. So that was perfect. There we go. So you were like at Boom. three and a half. I keep, I keep yeah. track. It never fails though. <laughs> the few times I've had like wannabe rappers on here, they will, they will say, I'll be like, sir, sir, sir. <laughs> like we're getting to six and a half. It's right. 6.5. <laughs> so the reason why I asked you if you were a Prince fan is because, and you don't have to be a Prince fan to know this. In fact, I'm a Prince fan and didn't even know this, but this is interesting. Normally we talk about controversies that have to do within an artist's business. You know, we might talk about like, I recently discovered that little Richard only made 50 cents off of Tutti Frutti. 50 cents? 50 cents. It's yeah. Fucking... He's signed a horrible record deal. Can I, he... can I curse on you? Yeah. Oh, fucking music business is evil, man. Jesus yes. Christ. Entertainment in general, man. You got to, ugh. Ugh. Nah, don't get me started. Go ahead. I mean, you can <laughs> add for inflation all you fucking want. And what is that? $2. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he got screwed. Now, he made more money off of other things. And eventually, his estate was able to collect on it. Like, like after he died. That's how long he had to fight for this. But oh my God. he was Ugh. like, he was so like one evil. of nine kids living in a shack. And he was, it was a way to blow his career up. And he just signed on the dotted line. They take advantage of talented people who don't know anything. I, it, stories right. like that are so interesting. Also yeah. stories about breakups. Now this is more about the history of our culture and music. I'm talking about the creation of one of the most prevalent parts of music culture. Now, when you see an album, 
this thing is on every cover. Almost every album, especially if it's sold at Walmart, has a guest appearance right on the cover. I am talking about the parental advisory sticker. Now, do you remember like a point in time when like, like growing up, did your parents like make you listen to only parental advisory? Like you had to listen to the clean version or did they not even care? Like what was your parents take on what music you were allowed to listen to? Um, I mean, growing up, my parents just weren't able to keep up with the amount of music that was readily available, mm-hmm. you know, by, by the internet, etc. Uh, my big brother had a lot of CDs and he, he had the little CD book, had them organized. And so I was exposed to a lot of artists through him, Jadakiss, DMX, uh, The Locks, you know, um, Jay-Z, uh, you know, a lot of artists who were like kind of, Jay-Z was huge at that time, but some there's some artists who weren't that big yet, but he exposed me to a lot of them, like Beanie Siegel, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, my parents weren't necessarily, they didn't, they weren't too strict of what type of music we could listen to. They didn't want you bumping in, I mean, bumping it too loud in the house to where uh, it was, they could hear it, mm-hmm. right? But they knew we were, they, they walked by the bathroom, they could hear what we're showering to or what we're getting ready to. And it wasn't a big deal because essentially me and my siblings were all good kids, man. Everybody took care of business when it came to school and stuff like that. So they weren't too concerned about it. No. My mom was the type who would let me buy an album if it didn't have the parental advice. Like if it if it had the sticker on it, I couldn't buy it. Like it had to be clean. Like my first, yeah. I think the first CD I bought was Lou Bega's Mambo Number no. 5. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, is a song about a dude fucking like seven women in a week. So what's clean? You know, like what is actually okay? But the parental advisory sticker um, started because after listening to Prince's Darling Nikki, so I did did not know that this was the song that started it all. After listening to Prince's Darling Nikki, Tipper Gore created the Parental Music Resource Center, or PMRC, and launched a campaign, campaign to use parental advisory stickers to warn parents against music with explicit or obscene content, not anticipating that the label would make teens covet explicit music even more. So because of this, there was a complete uptick in what CDs people were buying. Like little white kids in the suburbs were like, oh, NWA, never heard of them, but look at the sticker. This is what I want. Yeah, facts. facts. That's, that's, that's how it's going to be. If you put rated R on a movie and I'm 15, that's the movie I want to see. You know, I want to sneak in the theater to see that movie. Whatever you don't want me to see as a kid, I want to check it out just to be exposed to it, um, to see if it's that big of a deal. Because um, oftentimes it's not. Now, mind you, music is powerful and it does leave an impression on kids, and that's a whole other conversation. But for the most part, if a, if a listen to one song can change your whole way of how you view the world and, and what do you see as good and bad, then you were kind of going to go down that path anyway. You just haven't ran into the right thing yet. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. You were already kind of in a wild place. Uh, those of us who came of age before the popularity of the MP3 might remember peeling off a black and white label reading parental advisory explicit content from a new album before mom and dad could see it in the uncensored version. The labels themselves, um, uh, I just said that part about Purple Rain already, um, but that was the album. And that's the funny thing is I don't even think of Darling Nikki as that dirty of a song. But the group created the the PM the the Parental Music Resource Center created a list of songs and dubbed them the Filthy Fifteen. These are considered the dirtiest songs available on the radio at the time, and they were classified as porn rock. The list included works from Madonna, Prince, Twisted Sister, ACDC, Cyndi Lauper, and Def Leppard, among others. 
so how dramatic. Good old Tipper Gore just being so damn dramatic. Uh, the PEMRC successfully brought the issue to congressional hearings in September of 1985 and a mere five months after their formation. And it's easy to assume the congressional hearing aimed to create legislation. But PMRC's only goal was to influence the Recording Industries Association to voluntarily enforce the parental advisory label. So at least they weren't actually trying to get rid of the music. They just wanted to create those labels, which I can kind of understand. Just because, like, I was just discussing this, how it's like, some I get it. Sometimes it's hard to parent, but also sometimes parents don't want to parent. And what are we going to do? You know what I mean? Like, sometimes no, they just... Facts. They don't. So yes, yes, it's hard to parent, and I think on top of that, it's, it it is responsible to put those stickers on, just so parents know too what they're buying. Mm-hmm. You know, because I would hate to buy something just because. Um, like little not Nas X is a great example, right? Yes. You might hear one song and it could be cookie cutter, cookie cutter, but then the next song is not. So just because I've seen one body of work from one artist, does not mean that represents their whole body of work. And when you buy the album, you're buying the whole body of work. So as a parent, you probably want to be pre-warned before you buy some, uh, you know, titty, 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 pussy, pussy, pussy song, you know? Lil Nas X ain't making no pussy, pussy, pussy songs. Uh (laughs) I'm just just saying, you know, in general, you feel me? (laughs) I think that's the wrong anatomy, but the right idea. You had the right idea, but the wrong bitch. Um, man, speaking of which, Little Nas X is a perfect example, too, because when Old Town Road came out, I mean, they were booking him to perform at elementary schools. Like, there's the kids were loving him, and now, like most artists, he grew up. He grew out of that space. It is kind of funny, though, because it feels like sometimes parents want musicians to parent their kids for them. So they're like, yeah. why are you making this so hard? Why do I have to listen and decide what songs they listen to? Why don't you just be a musician? It's like, I'm sorry, you got Cocomelon for that. You've got Caillou for that. There's kids music for yeah. that, you know? Yeah, and I think Lil Nas X tweeted that Old Town Road was an explicit song. It was about something doing cocaine or something like that. <laughs> and so it wasn't even a clean song, you know? But he was like, shit, you're gonna pay me a million dollars to go sing at elementary school. I'll go. <laughs> you know. There is a part where he says, lean all in my bladder. Like talking about lean, like Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like it's the, not a clean song. The the drug that killed a bunch of rappers and like, mm-hmm. that's what's in your like, bladder. <laughs> it's uh it's you know, like look at Barney, I love you, you love me. You sing certain things in like certain tone, it could sound very clean, you know? Let's do Coke, not today. Like, okay, that's not, <laughs> that song's not too bad actually. Let's do Coke. I'm a fan, actually. I think it's, yeah. it's, it's a banger. It has potential for sure. Coca-Cola, too. I'm be like, oh, I think he's talking about soda. <laughs> like, no. In the first half, he wasn't. You know, so it's that type of thing, man. Yeah, you have to actively listen. I remember I had my first radio DJ job the summer that Pumped Up Kicks came out, which is a song about a school shooting. It is 100% about a school shooting. He talks about killing his dad first then lacing up his sneakers and going to the school and killing all the popular kids with good shoes. And middle-aged moms are like, play my jam. (laughs) And the lyrics go, better run, better run, outrun my gun. Like it's so, it's not even a little not blatant. Facts. Facts, crazy. But it has that, you know, that bouncing tune to it. So you could get away with it for some, for some. Uh, so a little bit more about this. After the congressional hearing, musician Frank Zappa, D. Snyder, and John Denver testified against what they saw as artistic censorship. Zappa also called the hearing a waste of government resources, claiming the issue would have been, never been brought to Congress had the woman involved with the PSMR not been married to powerful men. 
Nevertheless, either due to arguments brought up in the hearing or increasing public pressure, the RIAA decided to comply with the PMRC's request and created a labeling system for records that were deemed obscene. After various negotiations with PMRC and RIAA, decided that the albums with songs that had strong language would carry a label. The British port pornographic industry, BPI, adopted a similar labeling practice for the UK in the 1990s. And I'm so sorry, that word was British phonographic industry, not pornographic. <laughs> like, very different meaning there. Um, so, you know, the system was by no means perfect, and it has been proven that, like, some of the, like, they even were trying to expand it to using the word hell and considering that uh, explicit, which would involve a lot of Christian music. So where do you draw the line? What becomes porn rap? And then the popularity of gangster rap, you know, what's self-expression, what isn't. It's it's pretty interesting. Um, and uh, most notably, NWA gained more notoriety when their albums featured a PAL. In fact, on the Straight Out of Compton album, they even released a song called Parental Discretion Is IZ Advised, <laughs> which is like genius marketing, right? Yeah, just, just making fun of the situation in itself, you know, because... They know it's it's the bad that that makes people want to listen to, it, especially young teens, which is usually pushing the music industry. And then by the time they come teens in their twenties, uh, they're hooked already. So you can't really stop it. Um, I don't know. You can't. It's it's art. It is what it is. Because the same way stand-up comedy got its legs from not necessarily being perfect, right? Not everybody's trying to write like these perfect cookie cutter jokes, right? People are just talking about. Mm -hmm. real things in an imperfect way because that's what makes stand-up so amazing to watch because at home you have to be an adult or professional around your family right mm -hmm. at work you got to be a professional around your family so you really don't get that chance to let go unless you're around like your friends or just your husband or just your wife or whatever but a comedy club was a place that you could go at any time and just hear somebody who looks like you or an adult who's just been through the similar things talk about it in a way that you love to talk about it amongst your friends in the lunchroom or whatever and you know and that's how it became popular but then kind of like the recent you know the the cancellation of like certain um or the attempt with certain jokes just because of jokes it's funny if you take that same joke and you put it over an instrumental over a beat no one cares <laughs> you know <laughs> because there's no music behind it it's uh it's a little bit harder to swallow for some I get what you're saying. I think people do take more malicious and I, I see it a lot with what's popular on TikTok. And I think that like, like, especially I, ha I have to add so much nuance. Like, I'm like, not to say that I think all people who do this are this, but you have to add so much, you have to take away your nuance, I should say, and add in a bunch of qualifiers because people are so quick to be guns out and be like, you, you're trying to hurt my feelings. And it's like, what did I actually say? Like, what did I yeah. actually say? What, like, yeah. what's the target of this? Who am I aiming to hurt with this? Is it no one? It's no one. You know, yeah. it, it's interesting. And that's, I don't know, though. I, I, I go on both sides of the cancellation discussion because I don't think anyone effectively actually gets canceled unless they need to be. And even then, no. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. no one really gets canceled. Tony Hinchcliffe is not fucking canceled. Everyone who fucked with Tony is going to fuck with Tony. Everyone who would never like his stuff or never even heard of them because they don't like insult comedy and they don't like abuse, they weren't going to be fans of him anyway. He didn't lose shit. Yeah. And it's never about not necessarily what you're saying. It's how you say it, right? What was the actual intent? Kind of what you're saying. It's really about how are you saying it? Because every comedian, even if they want to admit or not, we all take into consideration how the audience may receive the joke. But that doesn't mean we let go of the subject matter. That doesn't mean we try to work our way around it to make it as as easily digestible to the audience 
as it is for us while still having it be funny you know i think what he suffered from and y'all we are going to get back on the topic of music i promise but i think what yeah, he yeah. suffered for in particular and i you know i don't know if you want to keep going on this topic but I, I think he had an audience that worships the ground he walks on so he can say whatever the fuck he wants because he trusts that they know he's kidding and me as someone who doesn't fuck with him i'm going you didn't have to say the c-word you didn't have to call a complete stranger a racial slur for no fucking reason. 100%. Like, in yeah. my mind, I'm like, I- I- I'm not sticking up for this little boy. What are you What are you doing? You're like, why would you talk to a person oh. like this? <laughs> nah, facts. Yes, facts. And I'm just talking about stand-up in general. You know, not any specific case in actuality, but no, I'm just what you're saying, for sure, 100%. Mm, okay, so you were talking about stand-up in general. Like, this wasn't a specific thing about that. All right, moving on. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about censorship, and it was a great connection you made to comedy because that is an industry that people are worried about. It's getting censored. Um, do you feel that there's too much censorship in comedy, or do you think that it's overblown and... Um, people are worried about it are worried about the wrong things. What are your thoughts on that? In comedy? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think it's overblown a bit. Um, I think it's overblown in both ways. I think the people who are attempting to cancel comics for what they're saying on stage, that is overblown. But I also think kind of what you're saying, the impact people think that those attempts actually have is overblown too, right? Uh, ticket sales aren't affected, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, it's kind of like, it's a bit hypocritical if you're watching a comic, let's say like a Chappelle or a Jeselnik, right? Who would talk about material, um, that could be touchy for some, but you say, okay, cool. I have a problem with this Chappelle joke and you call one out specifically, but then you don't say shit about the other 58 minutes. So basically <laughs> what you're saying is your preference should be put on a pedestal above everyone else's, even the performer whose show it is, right? Mm. I'll give you a prime example. I was at LMU like years ago doing a show and I do this Cosby joke, right? This is like when it first went down. I'm doing this Cosby joke and it's killing the room. And then out of nowhere, this young lady, she always gets quiet. She says, it's not funny. I'm like, what's not funny? She's like, rape's not funny. I was like, I would agree. It's an anti-rape joke. It's clearly making fun of Cosby. But understand you're offended, you have the right to be offended. But I did see you laugh really loud at my slavery joke. You know, slavery got slaves got raped too, right? Shit, the crowd went crazy and she just turned super red. Because mm-hmm. I, I just showed that in real time the hypocrisy of her statement. Because I, I it was a, it was a, it was like a forty room seated seated room. It wasn't a, a big crowd. So I could see everybody's faces clearly. And she was laughing really loud at this joke I was doing, you know, in regards to slavery and reparations. And, you know, but that was okay to this young white lady. But this Cosby joke that wasn't like a pro rape joke or anything like that, that and, wasn't I know okay. You, I know you and I know your sense of humor. I know you didn't get up there and go, isn't it funny how Cosby raped them bitches? Like, I know that's exactly. not what I you don't, did. Exactly. I don't even say the B word on stage. You know, that's just a personal choice. I have no issue with anybody that does, but that's just me. I don't. So I, you already know what I said. You know, it was a very whatever. So. But that's just those, a, if, if you yeah. haven't had a chance to watch Chenadu, he's hilarious and very clever, a very strong joke writer. And it is kind of funny because I think what it is is probably what happened with that lady is just that knee jerk reaction of like she's thinking two things. What Cosby did isn't funny and he's telling a joke that is funny. So the audience thinks what Cosby did is funny. And it's like, no, 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 no. Right. He's bringing up funny things about the situation, like the hypocrisy around it. Yeah. Like the fact that he was able to get away with it so long. Like right. you're, you're pointing out what's wrong with society. I have a joke that talks about my own sexual assault that I experienced. And I only do it when I'm headlining 
when I've been killing and it's just the right, it, the, the right, it has to be magic in the room. And then it's so funny. But without it, it's two things happen. People either go, oh my God, I can't believe that went, that happened to you. And they kind of get out of the moment of being there. Or they're like, I can't believe you're making a joke out of rape. And it's like, um, absolutely believe it because it happened to me and it's my choice to do it. Right. And two, this was funny as hell and you know it. You just aren't comfortable with me being okay with it. Uh, right, right. Yeah. It, it's a, that's the thing. is I And it's the thing. It's the same thing with like the, the parental advisory sticker. It's like, where do we start drawing lines? If just the word hell is negative, then, you know, a song called Jesus Saved Me From Hell is now R-rated on the same level as some shit about eating babies. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we need, we yeah. need more nuance in the discussion about what is and isn't appropriate. And I, I think you're so right. Um, people, people show their hypocrisy sometimes because I think they just, they hadn't thought to say something yet. So they think you shouldn't be able to. Right. A hundred percent. And I, I, to, in defense of, not in defense of her, but if you truthfully, I have a feeling that once you hear something like even the beginning of a joke or just a word Cosby, <laughs> her brain shut off. I promise you, she probably didn't listen to the joke. She yeah. just was waiting to say her statement to, you know, to feel like she. Well, I mean, that's me. how I argue. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. You know, I argue with my man. If you said, if you use the word clean up, I I didn't hear the rest of the sentence you said about how you want to help too. I heard you say that I don't clean. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not your slave. I don't have to clean. Like, I'm triggered. And that's how triggers work. They set you off. Exactly. And that's, that's more has to do with her than me. It's, It's really just in the way we talk with people and how we engage with people. It's not enough to just wait to talk. You have to listen to, you know? Mm, yeah yeah and i think maybe um because of social media audiences have kind of been trained to believe that it's a um a call and response instead of a performance so they feel like they get a chance to i I do feel i do feel like audiences have gotten a little bit more talky backy lately uh maybe i'm talky backy that's a weird way to say it more like (laughs) confrontational more so you know what i mean yeah yeah I, i could see some of that especially right before covid um I was seeing some of that, you know, in different places, but it's, uh, you know, I welcome it personally. Like, I don't shy away too much from like audience participation. And I'm not saying a person is wrong for being offended at a joke. What I am saying is if you don't like it, that's fine, but don't interrupt the show. You can leave, you can mm-hmm. ask for your money back, whatever you got to do, but you can't put your preference, um, above everybody else's in the room. Cause you paid the same amount amount as everybody else's and it's not your show. Yes. Brilliant. Brilliant. All right. Keeping up with our fantastic conversation we're having. I want to know more about the songs that shape who you are. So do you want to do this ascending or descending? Like, are you going from like your number five song or your number one song? Are they in any particular order? Like the most important, least important, or did you just list five songs that you like? Yeah, I just list five songs that I like that I catch myself listening to a lot Mm -hmm. or either used to or still do. And some kind of represent, you know, a little bit so we'll go with we'll go with i can by nas you ever heard this song jazz absolutely i know i can i know be what i want to be yeah so i feel like <laughs> that song represents me um in a way just because of my my the part of me that likes to you know talk to the youth work with the youth help the youth i used to teach for a while like six years so it's definitely uh always had a helping side of me i come from a family of everyone is like serving in some kind of capacity within the community both my mom and dad were social workers you know and my other oh, wow. sister I didn't know that. oh yeah my sister was a vice principal my other siblings are like doctors and so 
it's just a part of me. So I think that song kind of represents, um, you know, opportunities I look forward to to help out with kids. But uh, let me see, man. What else? Uh -uh, uh -uh, I got more questions. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, so Nas. Now, it's kind of funny because that particular song, I love songs like that that are very overt in what their message are. Like, this is my song to make kids feel good. But do you ever feel weird about rappers doing those kind of songs and then, like, in the next breath, it's, you know, songs that maybe are not so on message? Like, do you feel like, you know, art artists should have the versatility or is it kind of like, you know, be consistent with what you're doing? Uh, I'll answer that in two ways. I think, um, let's take Nas for example. Nas is a good example because that song is quite different from like Uchi Wali Wali mm -hmm. or Pushacha, right? Uh, but I enjoy when rappers are them full selves versus having to feel like they are stuck in a box and it only could be one thing, like the thing they came out of. Like there's rappers who only talk about, you know, big booty and, and liquor, that would love to drop a song encouraging the youth, but they feel like it's so off brand for them, right? <laughs> but when in the, grand, in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's not really, cause like in the morning, you know, everybody's working hard, then, you know, you might be a volunteer somewhere, but then at night, you know, you might be at a bar looking for some, whatever you're looking for, you know? So it's like, it allows an artist to be um, a multitude of things. It's kind of like the way the comedian has with their set, right? Yeah. In one hand, you might be talking about family. The next, you know, you're doing a dick joke. The next, you know, you're, doing, you're talking about politics. The next, you know, you talk. It's like because we are full people. But but on the but on the other side, I do agree. I don't know too many like hardcore like kill 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 gangster rappers that are also like you know um, putting out songs. Lifting <laughs> you, I don't see that <laughs> happening. Uh, I so mean, I feel like the, the J. Coles, the Kendricks, I feel like they have a good balance of a little bit of both, you know? My problem, okay, I think J. Cole's a big old hypocrite sometimes. I, I think he's sexist. I <laughs> I have my problems with J. Cole. And yeah. the funny thing is, is he is every, every dude I know who's like a deep, good guy loves him. And I'm like, ugh. Because he just says in one breath, he says something that's like, you know, uh, Instagram wannabe models with your fake booties. I don't care about any of that, blah, 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 you know. Um, but also the next song is like talking specifically only about a woman's appearance. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's like, it's so, it's so transparently obvious about like, oh man, it's just another thing. Like, what is that other one he has? Or it's something about like, don't be a hoe basically. Like literally the song is just don't be a hoe. Mm -hmm. And I don't need men to tell us when we should and shouldn't be fucking. But yeah. that was a whole other topic there. I think Nas is not necessarily that far in that realm though. Nas is, Nas is a pretty solid guy all around. He's got a great discography of good music. I remember that song being everywhere. Like in a void, make the summer of like, I wanna say 2003 maybe when that came What's gonna come on, the Uchi Wally Wally one? No, um, no, uh, no, no, I, I know I can't. Uchi you know, do you, do, you, do you know that song? Yes, I know Uchi Wally, Uchi Wally. So how you, so how, how you gonna jump down J. Cole's deck? <laughs> And give Nas a pass. It's the same shit. I'm a hypocrite. I, you know. <laughs> exactly. And, and I'm not saying you're wrong for that. What I, the, what I like about J. Cole is that it's the same thing with stand-up. Like, it's not about being perfect. He talks about being human, mm. right? And he even talks about his own hypocrisies in his music. If you listen to lyrics, he will call himself out. It's like, we have that. You know, humans have that about them. I think it's, you know what? I think it's just the 
the fake woke dude. Like, I think some, you know what it is, mm-hmm. is if someone I don't like is a fan of an artist, then I stop liking that artist. Like, I'm like, oh, here you go. Here, here you go, Dusty Dreadlocks with his opinions and his J. Cole. Like, you know what I mean? You just. I'll put it like this. Paul, you know, you can have, uh, you know, uh, you might mess around and find Sean King in a strip club. Does that make him the work that he puts out and what he's done for the community? Does that validate it? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, that's all I'm saying. Like, it's a full. Sean King is a whole fraud. Well, that's debatable. <laughs> but, he's a whole there, fraud. Say, like he's stealing people's money. He may not even be black. Like, <laughs> okay, there we go. So if I saw, actually, perfect example, MLK did cheat on his wife. So if we want to just okay, yeah. right, right, does that does that make him like oh because he did this one act in this one you know um, arena, right? Does that negate all the good he did in this other side of things? No, it just makes him human, right? None of these, nobody's perfect. And for anybody to sit and pretend they are, it's a It's, it's a just lie. one thing that specifically bothers me, and I'm not going to talk over you anymore, I promise. It's just no, it's okay. when people, t- okay, in one breath, they will talk, when they talk about inspiring boys and girls, especially, I, mm-hmm. I want to say in the song, I'm, I might be like flubbing the lyrics, but I know you, I know I can. There is just like, <laughs> when they talk about like they're like hey don't hey guys boys don't get down this path and end up in gangs and doing drugs hey girls don't get down this path and end up having sex with men <laughs> like, it's, it's it's a very sex negative way to, it's that like it's you can hear it it's this way of being like the worst thing that can happen to you is you become a hoe so don't do that and then they're just they love benefiting off of hoe culture and having hoes in their video and fucking hoes and and being around hoes. No hoes in his video. They don't got no hoes in his video. Nas doesn't have hoes in his videos. I said J Cole ain't got no hoes. J Cole just have hoes in his videos. And, J- and Nas has a lot of videos that are holeless. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but there are very uh, there, ho- there might be one. There might be one or two. But there's a lot of videos that are just pure art. Does J Cole have hoes in his videos? <laughs> this is like. Oh man, don't you miss the days before Google when you just have to argue? You know what I mean? <laughs> no, right, yeah, because like now you gotta like fact check everything. Nah, that's okay, real. early in his career, you can maybe say the workout video, but it was more of a female lead than like video hoes. My definition yeah. of video hoes is just nameless faces women who dance and like if, if you see a severed body part, that's a video hoe. If mm-hmm. you see an ass with yeah. no head attached, they're being used as props. If you can see a yeah. face and, got, and they're acting, then mm-hmm. they're a leading lady or an actress. Yeah. And, and you got to remember, too, it's like musicians are kind of under that that bubble that we are where there's an entertainment factor of it. Right. Right. Where you have to kind of talk about the things you want to talk about. And on top of that, still kind of give the people what you want, what they want too. Mm-hmm. It's a balance of both. You know, you got to try to find a way to reach everybody that's honest to who you are, but still satisfy this hunger for a certain type of music, especially when you're under the genre of rap or hip hop. He could just go up there and say, graduate, 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 study hard, whatever, whatever. But name the artist that sells like they that. They don't. Conscious you rap know? is they not. Don't. So this business at the same, this business also, you know, but the attempt should still be Given credit, I agree. While juggling the business side of it, you know, because he has to, that's so you're gonna run into the hypocrisies because the rap music itself is a big hypocrisy. I agree. It's kind of funny. Common is someone who I wouldn't say he doesn't sell. Like he's a well-known rapper, 
but people mm -hmm. just don't, they don't put him on their favorites list. They don't put him on their greatest list or they say they liked him before X, Y, Z. And oh, he's on mine. What, what'd you say? He's on Oh, mine. good. I never hear that. He's, oh yeah. He's, he's, I feel like he's someone who's never recognized as a lyricist because like, it's like people got tired of him and then were like, oh, he, like, he didn't change. He actually stayed really consistent. Yeah. It's the people that don't really know hip hop mm -hmm. that will exclude Common. But if you know hip hop, you can't just talk about hip hop without talking about Common. Um, I think also you got to remember too, like a lot of times you watch those shows, top 10 rappers, whatever, they're still trying to keep good relationships with current rappers, like hot rappers. So they're not, they're not necessarily being honest to what they truly feel is great lyrics or great music. They're just like, okay, well, this guy was really popular and we got to give him credit or we'll hear about yeah. it, you know? So it's that type mm, of shit. That is good to know. So I like that you chose Nas's I Can. It's a great, it's one of those songs I forgot about, but it's a good song. A little heavy handed on the positivity, but you know what? There's something yeah. to said for that. Oh, but that's a hypocrisies within my list. <laughs> <laughs> and that note, you know I'm a, well, give me your next song. I'm a human. <laughs> I'm a human too, you know? Um, let me see. My next song would probably be, I like Jay-Z and Eminem's Renegade. I still love that song. Mm. Um, you know that song, right, Jess? Don't you lie to me. It wasn't a single. <laughs> That's one of the greatest hip-hop songs ever. See That's the song, have you ever heard the, the diss song Nas used to diss uh, Jay-Z called Ether? Yes, because, I, okay, I you're going to laugh. I know Ether because I know Sheether because I'm a barb. And Sheether was oh. when, uh, uh, it's on the tip of my tongue, but she went to jail. Anyways, when old girl came for Nicki Minaj, it was on the Sheether, oh. it was on the either beat and she called it Sheether. So that's how I know oh. it. So I never heard Sheether, but that's a great title for a beef beat. Anyway, in the Ether song, if you ever listen to it, there's a, a line where he says, to talking to Jay-Z, said Eminem killed you on your own shit. This is the song he's talking about, Renegade. Mm. On, a blue, on a Blueprint album, Jay-Z had a feature from Eminem, and they went two verses each. Jay-Z went first, Eminem went second, Jay-Z went third, Eminem closed it out with the, the last verse. And that's one of the best, one of the best, most, like, lyrical songs you'll ever hear. And the hook is pretty much saying, um, never been afraid to say what's in my mind at any given time of day because I'm a renegade, right? That's like half the hook. But, that, but the whole song is pretty much just talking about like just being confident in your thoughts, uh, not holding back, you know, things you want to say. And I think just as an entertainer, as a comedian, um, it's something that I strive to do in my standup. Mm -hmm. So that's what I love. I love that song. That's awesome. I can I can see the connection you have with that and how it can like put yeah. you in that headspace of like, this is my time. I'm on the mic. This is what I had to say. I, I can't believe yeah. I'm sorry. I'm I'm the word. I so here's the thing is Rhythm and Bay podcast is a safe space to not be an expert on music. And I learned 100%. at least once what'd you say? <laughs> I said one hundred percent. I'm only I'm only kind of just <laughs> you are, I can feel it. All right, and in my defense, um I like the girl rappers better. <laughs> so like That's fair. That's, I just do. And like here's the thing is like I appreciate Eminem on an intellectual level. You know how you can know someone's good at what they do and then it's not your favorite thing? Oh, for sure. You're like, oh, this this is a five-star restaurant, but I don't like Italian food. Facts. Like, it's that kind of feeling. We're like, Eminem is a great writer. He's incredibly intelligent. I never want to hear his voice. Like, I just, I just. 
I I avoid Evan. I just something about it just always feels like he's yelling directions at me. Like he's like yeah. it's like the opposite I, of how you feel when a good line dance song comes on. Like right, right. Like, no, I could I could see that for sure. There's there's some definitely some truth to that. There's a. Uh, some entertainers who have great lyrics or great jokes or whatever, but their voice is just hard to digest and it really kills the vibe. So yeah, not angry white men scare me a little bit. Like, like, but that's, that's one song though, where Eminem was at the right pitch. Really? I will say that. No, seriously. I just, I literally texted to you, but I think it's that important for you okay, to listen. I will give so it. Pro- so promise, promise me you I will promise. listen to it while reading the lyrics. Okay. Do, do that because it's a very lyrical song. Um, it's not that you can't keep up without reading the lyrics, but I want you to really enjoy what they're saying and like the wordplay is intense. And I think if you read it, uh, it's, it's such a, and Jay-Z after Nas said that Jay-Z was like, oh, well, yeah, Eminem killed you. Eminem didn't really kill Jay. Jay-Z verses were great. He's just, he doesn't rap fast and Eminem rapped a little bit faster. So his lyrical gymnastics seems a little bit more impressive, mm-hmm. but Jay-Z's lyrics was so fucking, uh, the verse is so smooth too. It's People great. People sometimes give, like, whoever raps the fastest on the song, everyone's like, they bodied it. Like, I, like, six foot, seven foot. I, or is it six foot, what is, okay, no, 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 look at me now. It's a great one, but I like Lil Wayne's verse on that, but everyone always says that Buster killed that because he goes so fast on it. Yeah, it was just a, a stark difference, but me personally, I think, you know, like, uh, who's that? Um, Both Us and Harmony, Buster Rhymes, uh twister i think so yeah it's a horrible business model (laughs) to to put eight songs in one verse it's like bro if you just split up that verse into that could have been four songs (laughs) but you decided to write a 64 verse line verse for a 16 bar verse i don't know how but i'm gonna work it's a horrible business model into either the title of this episode or the description (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because describing rap as business models is really funny. Like I love yeah. I love the reverse of that logic because I feel like these new rappers like repeat the same thing like six, seven times. So it's like, so you write one song and make it stretch on eight tracks. Like that's genius. These new rappers figured out they don't even put three verses on a song no more. You get one verse because the plays don't change. It don't matter if you listen to a, a three minute song for um a million times or you listen to a one minute song a million times you still make the same amount of yep. money yeah because the, they don't put ads between the music they don't stop a song midway through like all right uh, have you tried pro sepia you know so it's just <laughs> it runs i don't even know what pro sepia is that's not even a it thing. sounded anyway. like a hair loss drug so i was like yeah okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and so uh yeah so these new rappers now they just they play one verse they do a hook and then the song's over oh it's smart and they move it's on. brilliant and it's commercial marketing because you know how when they make a commercial they write three versions of the script the one minute commercial mm-hmm. the 30 second commercial and the 15 second commercial but essentially they yeah. all get the same information across each one they're doing it the same way in the sense of like tiktok is 15 seconds instagram is one minute youtube is or instagram is 30 seconds youtube is one minute how do we get mm-hmm. the same thing across i mean you can hear the way music is being created for how it's going to make the money and like the sellable sound bites, you know, adding, I mean, Megan the Stallion is the queen of it right now. I mean, she writes songs so that they can turn into TikTok dances. Yeah, facts. And I think it's a, it's a quantity over quality issue where in music, just in, I think entertainment right now in general, it pays 
especially in music, to keep the quantity going. Yeah. To, to constantly stay in people's faces because there's new because it's so easy to get good quality tech in your home for very low now. There's new musicians popping up everywhere. So if you want to stay in front or ahead of the crowd, you got to constantly be in their face with new tracks. So it's more beneficial to you if you're not a Beyonce yet, if you're just like an up and coming artist where people are familiar with you and they, they fuck with you, but you're not famous, famous yet. It's more, it's smarter for you to put out a hot single once every two months or a month and a half versus waiting a year and a half to put out another album because people might forget about you by then. There might be three other artists that come that sound just like you <laughs> before you even get a God, shot you know? you're right and jokes are the same shit it's like i could wait till i have a brilliant really funny idea and make a video about that or i could make three 15 second videos where i say whatever halfway funny thought i have in my camera um yeah ugh, ugh. it is quantity over quality and it kind of sucks Ugh. what are we gonna yeah, it makes you a slave to an app you know essentially and a lot of us didn't leave our day jobs, right? To get into entertainment, to feel like we're working a day job again. Yeah. Well, look at that. You just made me reconsider my whole life. I'm gonna need a minute with my crystals. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna need to recenter with some adventuring and remember, you know, why I'm on my way with my black tourmaline and black. <laughs> Yeah, facts, facts. I'm gonna sell, sell you some crystals. I'm, I'm just. Yeah. Well, you're you're doing my show June third, third at the Comedy Nook. Uh, for everybody listening, June third, Comedy Nook. Did you just like make yeah. that face like you were remembering you're doing it? Nah, you know what? I have Comedy Nook in my phone, and I couldn't remember what sh- who show this was. I have Comedy. I had no address or nothing to Comedy Nook. I was like, I hope somebody tagged me in the flyer because I don't. <laughs> I don't. I just have comedy duck. Like, let me see what time. Don't tell me the time because I can tell you right now. It's in my phone. So. Uh, what day is it? Oh my God, day? June third. It's a Thursday. June third. It's next Thursday. It is. I know. It's at eight p.m. Yeah. Comedy duck. <laughs> see, I have, I have it in my phone. I just like who shows. I can't. I couldn't remember. Well, y'all, everybody listening. started popping June 3rd, up. Uh, if you're in L.A. or around L.A., it's off of Melrose Avenue. It used to be called Pretty Funny Comedy, but you just Google uh, the Comedy Nook. Get there early. Get some food. It'll be great. But yeah, I'm not gonna <laughs> look at that. I interrupted my own podcast with an advertisement for another thing. What are hey, we? Ain't no wrong with that. <laughs> what are we? But just show a circle of content. So Jay Z's Jay Z. At- wait, 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 wait. Since since we're on the topic, what's the address? Tell me the address now. I'll put it on my phone. No, tell me later. If you have to look it up, <laughs> I don't memorize shit. You know this. <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, you can. It's a Googleable thing. It is a Googleable thing, but it is on Melrose. God, Melrose makes me feel so old. By the way, wait is a is a comedy nook the name of the building? Yes. Oh, okay. Then don't worry about it. I could just look it up then. Yes, I had a moment the other day. Like you know how it's just always like really young hot people in streetwear all over Melrose. Yeah. I was like, I dress like an old lady. I don't care. I like dresses. I like earrings. I like being dressed up. Tell yeah. me why I had a, I didn't realize I had a tag on my shirt still. And this dude was, and it was under my boob. <laughs> and this dude was like, oh, you got a tag right there. And I was like, oh, I, and he tried to reach. And I was like, I can get it. Like, you know, covering my own breast. And he goes, ew, I wasn't trying to grab you. What would I even get out of that? And I was like. <laughs> You're like, excuse me, young man. I'll have you know. <laughs> This is a great titty. How dare you? That's right. Excuse this. Have you? It's a great titty. How dare you? Know what I mean? Like he just implied that. Like how dare I think he wants to touch my titty? You know what I mean? Like how... that's funny. So what do you even get out of that? How rude! How you should have beat. You should have beat his ass. 
I know. It was it was better when I thought a stranger was trying to grab my boob because rejecting the boob right. hurts. Right. Like, Ew. Why would I even want to do that? That's so fucked up. <laughs> I just, for my well being, I have to convince myself that he meant like, "Ew, I'm gay." You know, like, "Ew." Oh. I, but I don't think that's what he meant. I think he yeah. was straight and just rude. Yeah, <laughs> on oh, on a Nike hoodie and Timberlands. I don't think that's what he meant. Yeah, you're right. Actually, that was like pretty close. Like right. no Tim's, but it was just like a full on Nike sweatsuit and he was on a low rider bike. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if gay guys wear Tim's. Or ride bikes. I mean, yes, gay men ride bikes. Not like low ones though. I've never seen Oh, the low rider bikes? Nah. Yeah. Nah, not the ones that are I don't, I don't, I don't think gay guys wear Tim. I ain't seen a gay dude in no Timberlands yet. <laughs> but I could be wrong. I don't know. It could be. It could be a thing. So let's move on along. Give me your next song. What's number three on our list? Next song. What we got? Ooh, okay. Maybe uh, Lupe Fiasco's Kick Push. I know that one. Okay, look at you. Yeah, Kick Push is uh, it's just a great song. I think I'll start listening to that maybe like early high school, something like that. I just love the beat. I love Lupe Fiasco beats that he used, especially on the first two albums, The Cool, which is one of the best hip hop albums ever. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's in my it's in my top five personally. Um, and then Food or Liquor, which is, isn't too far away. I, th- I have it in like a top 15, top 20. But that's the beats that he used, if you really listen to it, there's no drop off, as in like there's no silence. There's always noise. And Cook Push has like this, this uh dun, 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 dun. it's like a superhero type the production vibe. and the strings it's, on that is really great it's so good man and just the lyrics about like you know just just kind of wondering trying to find your place in the world you know sometimes as, as an entertainer you could feel like that like you're just still searching for that right you know thing that right idea that right project that kind of like you know solidifies your place and what you're trying to do so uh, yeah, I identify with Kick Push a lot, especially because like um, you know, being Nigerian, a lot of uh, a lot of Nigerians don't necessarily go into entertainment, so it's so different from what we do usually culturally. Use a lot of times medical field, lawyer, etc. So, um, especially when I started doing it, it was so off brand that you kind of feel when it comes to like other Nigerians alone in the process a little bit, mm-hmm. and that song's kind of about that. Just a guy just kind of believing in himself and just doing his thing that makes a lot of sense um did you go through a skater boy phase is that part of why this resonated with you or not so nah, much no nah, no nah, i went through a skater boy phase nah. nah i i was a i had a crush on all the guys who skate all the there was like three black guys who skateboarded at my high school and they wanted nothing to do with black girls but i was like i will i will turn you around yet jamal and right. <laughs> that is his name um if, he, if, he's, if he's listening <laughs> He's like, oh, what up, Jazz? No, that wasn't it at all. You just never said nothing to me. Oh, my God. I totally said something to you, and your ass didn't pay attention to me because you like white girls. Like... He's, he's not here, Jasmine. <laughs> he's, he's always here. You know what I mean? No, I got you. We got carry you. the weight of our past loves with us. Lupe, I think Lupe Fiasco is a fantastic artist. He's one of the, I think he's super, super underrated. Yes. And and you just people just forget about him for whatever reason. That, and then... um. What was his other song that was a big one um, that like you just could not avoid? For um, Lupe Fiasco? Mm-hmm. He, like oh, he had two big singles off of both of his albums. Um, the first the first single, oh, the other one's Hip Hop Save My Life, that one? Yeah, that one was really great. But there was another one, Daydreaming. Daydreaming, oh, Daydream. Day- oh man, I love that song too. And then Superstar. 
Superstar was uh, everywhere. If you are who you say you are, a superstar, then have no fear. I love that song. That's yes. a great song to listen to before you walk onto stage two. Not necessarily for the whole crowd to listen to. I don't think it has enough boom boom boom. It, it does in some parts, like in the middle of the song, but in the beginning, that's just a great song to listen to in, in the back and like, you know, get your mind right. I don't know. Because like, then if you start digging too long, then the existentialism of it all sets in. Because the song is, it's another one of those songs about how fame is fleeting and none of this is real. So like, don't mm. listen too hard because then you'd be like, I'm not a superstar. Right. <laughs> it like it, it's like Britney Spears is lucky where you're like, why does she cry? This is supposed right. to make you feel better. <laughs> nah, facts, facts. Nah, Don't listen talk. too deep. Oh man, Lupe Fiasco, fantastic artist. And you're so right about the musicality of it all. There's the strings to it. It's it's just a great song from start to finish. I thought it was a Kanye production uh, production, but no, it was produced by someone named Soundtrack. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of songs I wanna credit to Kanye that have nothing to do with Kanye, but they just feel Kanye, Kanye Jason. Yeah. Nah, yeah. I, 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 I could agree with that too. I know he was working with Kanye closely during that time when he dropped Food and Liquor. He was on mm. Kanye's album, Graduation, I think, on the second song. But yeah, man, I think he's super underrated. Uh, one of the best lyricists out there. And, you know, he just sounds different. And I respect artists that try to sound different. Yeah. Talking about, you mentioned being a Nigerian comedian and like having to branch out and do something you want to do that doesn't necessarily fit in with what was expected of you. How do you feel audiences perceive you now? Is it like better because there's just more like multiculturalism, people are interested in learning about other cultures, or is it still kind of this like, who is this guy kind of thing? Well, I don't think it was ever like a, a problem with the audiences, like the general audience. I was always received well from the beginning, but um, just in terms of like, you know, it's just the way my parents looked at it. Mm -hmm. uh you know other whatever uncles aunts nigerians you know or strangers <laughs> whatever uh i think it's a little bit more normal um now just because you know there's a lot of nigerian actors and actresses that are doing the thing right now uh it's not as such a big deal so much so um it was, it was less about like oh you shouldn't be doing this it was more i think for my parents it was more of like a a nervous thing because they is no they know entertainment is one of the things where you could do a b and c and d is not necessarily guaranteed at least not at a time frame you may like it right uh so that's something that i think they had a tougher time or my mom specifically had a tougher time dealing with than me me but i didn't really care so much because i thought did the presence of like michael blackson make her feel better like look there's one no 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 no, no. Okay. not at all <laughs> I'm just I, I didn't mean that as a diss to Michael Blackson. I don't oh, like no, Michael not Blackson. at all. And sh shout out to Mike. Mike's not, Mike's not Nigerian anyway, but oh. he is at, but he is African though. Yeah. My you know bad. Yeah. <laughs> Jasmine's ignorant ass podcast. She just yeah. says stuff. Oh, Jasmine. Ellie's so ignorant ass. Dissing J. Cole and calling Africa a country. I did not call Africa. <laughs> I just forgot which specific nation he's from, but he uh, is the you most. Got, you ain't got to know that. He don't know where you're from. Why you got to know? <laughs> he's the most I would argue and say he's the most famous African comedian. And I feel like sometimes people just need to see someone like you do something mm -hmm. to go, oh, okay, that's a thing. I would like, argue uh, it's uh, Dave Chappelle. Hmm. 
you know, he's a descendant of Africa too. But if we're talking recently from Africa, then Trevor Noah, I think, is a little bit might have a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. Uh, that is interesting. I it's funny because there are so many people who are like African American in the sense that they have a parent or grandparent as that they have a direct lineage that's traceable to them for Africa, mm. who I know kind of balk at Black people calling themselves African American. So like me, I'm Black. I have two Black parents. Yeah. I'm not mixed. People think I'm mixed. Uh, I, I don't use the expression African-American because I don't have a direct traceable ancestry to Africa. Yeah. So, and, and I've been like corrected when I've used African-American. Like, no, you're not African. People tell you you're not African? Mm-hmm. You're not African. Don't call yourself African. I mean, people tell me I'm not Nigerian. You know what I'm saying? So, because I was born in L.A. Um, what? So I think it's really, uh, I think it's really up to the individual, right? The same mm-hmm. way we respect uh, is transgender person that wants to be called she or he, why would I tell a person who is obviously has African descent within them to not call themselves African-American? Ah, I have to respect a person's um, opinion on what they want to be called, whether they're a black person, they want to be called African, black, African-American, or just American, you know, because it's personal to them. But uh, there is a notion on both sides where you'll have like, Africans who who welcome black people to engage with Africa and and look at Africa as home, but there's also like a, a smaller population out there that is like oh no you're not African we're African whatever. But then they're all with uh, with black people born in America, there are factions out there that love calling themselves African and that I think that's dope as hell. But there are people that don't want to call themselves African. I think that's perfectly fine too. But there is a portion. That don't want to associate themselves with Africa, not necessarily because they feel like they're not African, but because it's a part of that. But also, they're not. They don't necessarily see Africa in a positive light. You know what I mean? So I it's, it's, it really comes from that. like a self hate type thing. Whereas if Africa was in the financial or like stable place as Europe was, I'm pretty sure a lot of more people would be like, "Oh yeah, I'm African," da 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 da, and want to visit and all the other things. But because they don't necessarily look at it in a positive light, then they don't want to be associated with it. And it's not necessarily, oh, because I was born in America. I think a lot of it comes down to like not necessarily seeing Africa itself in a positive light and not realizing that they too went through their history of oppression, still going through their history of oppression, slavery, et cetera. Before American slavery, there was imperialism, et cetera, et cetera, the scramble mm-hmm. for Africa. So it's, it's that type of thing. So it's, it's a very deep issue uh, conversation that can't really be covered, but... You know, it's a lot. That's interesting. Thank you so much for talking about that. That's very interesting. I think I think you're 100 percent right, and it is it is kind of squeaky to hear about people who just like don't want to associate themselves with something like that. I um I'm I'm gonna uh, move on to another topic, but I thank you so much for bringing that to my attention and like pointing that out. I just I it's just so funny when you said Dave Chappelle, I was like, where's I thought he was from Cleveland. You know what I mean? Like in my mind, but I'm like, no. Yeah. If he wanted to consider himself African, then yeah. he could. That's a lineage it's a descriptor you know i it's just kind of funny like i remember like hearing people who were like directly african like either from africa or had african parents being offended when black panther came out and black people like me who are like several generations post-slavery don't know exactly where they came from dressed up in like 
like kente cloth and dashikis and stuff. They they felt like offended by that. And I was hosting a premiere party for Black Panther and didn't know which line to toe because I didn't want to offend anyone. So I dressed like a literal Black Panther. <laughs> like, right. I thought that was, like, I thought, and it was kind of dope. Yeah. I got a lot of compliments on it and I felt like it was the way to go. And I was like, I feel connected to that. Yeah. And, and, I, and uh, I think I think you should have wore what you wanted to wear. I think for some of those people, I can't speak for all of them, right? But for some, I think a lot of that come from like not some Africans not feeling accepted in certain circles, mm-hmm. right? And not their heritage not necessarily being marveled at when they were growing up, right? Being teased for being African, etc. But then when Marvel co- people in Texas did stupid shit, oh, yeah. like that. I, I remember hearing across, people making fun of African ac- kids. across yeah. the U.S. Ugh. So, but when Marvel comes out with this Black Panther movie, all of a sudden, let's engage. Now, I don't care me personally. I loved it. it that's you know, I you gotta allow people people room to grow and mature. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Who somebody was ten years ago shouldn't dictate who they can be today, right? If they learn, they learn. It's all good. Like, why are we? If the purpose is for, you know, um, black people to work together, to be together, then, you know, stuff like that should be encouraged and celebrated. So I thought I thought it was super dope. I have a joke about it. Um, So, yeah, I was all for it. I loved it. You are so cool and so wise, by the way. If they learn, they learn. Because some people want to stay mad at whatever somebody yeah. said in middle school. They're like, you called me fat, and now you're talking about bad body positivity. You weren't saying that when right. we were 13, it's like, Michelle. It's like, damn, I'm not... <laughs> that nigga no more you know what i'm saying that was 20 years are you okay like forgiveness is super important because if you don't forgive others you're just holding like an unnecessary burden and you're really just causing health problems to yourself and you know the other person i mean is they're not even thinking about it you know maybe i should forgive jamal see forgive jamal bro jamal's probably married to some nubian black queen with seven black kids and shit like jamal's a whole different person <laughs> Just living his whole ass right. life. Okay. On that note, I forgive you, Jamal, but still, fuck you Look a little at that. Bit. You Let's don't forgive Come on. See, I, I got to work on that. <laughs> Track number four. Give me your number four song. Okay, number four where I'm at. Um, oh, okay. Cruising, D'Angelo. You write that song? Oh, yes. And now, that's a cover, but it's one of the best covers. I used to fall asleep to that song all the time. It's just such a smooth as love song it's not heavy mm-hmm. it's not on some like whatever it's just on like you know i enjoy your company let's kick it let's get away from here let's go do something it's just a smooth ass song and it just kind of represents the energy i like to have around people i date but yeah that's i love that song so the original record was put out by Smokey robinson i didn't know that i had to double check because i was like who was first so Smokey was first um then you've got huey lewis in the news in 2006 boo um as far as like these are listed in order of which one was the highest chart topping so it was Smokey, huey lewis in the news d'angelo and then gwyneth paltrow and huey lewis re-recorded it for this movie about karaoke singers at a bar i remember this being very popular on the radio and being like, man, I the, singing's not necessarily good in Paltrow's ministry. Um, but <laughs> not facts. She had a very flat, talky voice, but I think D'Angelo, I think it's a tie between Smokey and D'Angelo. Smoke, like, Smokey's that good. I, only, I haven't heard Smokey version. Or maybe I have. I just didn't realize it was the same song, maybe. Um, Give it a listen. It's, it's, um, 
he just has such a, a a pretty voice. You don't use the word pretty to describe male voices very often, but it's very pretty. Yeah, him and it's uh, very soft. Maxwell has a pretty ass voice too. Yes, I think there's a um. <laughs> so, and like, yeah, it's like so, somebody called Maxwell cute, and he couldn't take the compliment. <laughs> You're like, what? Just, just say thank you, my nigga. <laughs> oh my just God. blushing the whole song. See, I'm never gonna be... Why do I? Okay, I hate pretty wings. By the way, I it is. This is what I like about cruising, and this is what I don't like about Pretty Wings. All right, cruising is one of those songs that's a love song that actually is a love song. There's no secret underbelly where it's like actually about cheating or actually a breakup song, which you think is a love song. Pretty Wings is a breakup song that sounds like a love song. He's like talking about how I'm gonna set you free. It's time for you to go. One day you won't even remember me, but it feels like a love song when you you hear it like a love Damn, song. Damn, you know what? I love that song even more now. <laughs> first of all y'all can't see this but he made the most fuckboy face when he said that like there's a certain thing that like, <laughs> that like dudes dudes who will break your heart and have don't mean it will do they're like nah, they like they oh. don't want to they were like they're honest with you like so maxwell what are we <laughs> he's like wait what <laughs> what are we <laughs> as he like usher out his room <laughs> Out of the room. <laughs> I gotta I gotta say that song all over again. Man, I'm learning something today. It's great. It's uh that's that's where I really dig in is R and B. I'm like a, a surface hip hop head, a slight country lover. I'm really just part of the Yeehaw agenda. I love gay country music. A little bit of a techno person, but R and B is where I like really dig in. Like for you, I can tell you're like like hip hop is where oh, no. Musically, I love R and B. I love soft. I love mm-hmm. soft rock. I mm-hmm. love reggae music. Love reggae music. Love Nigerian music. Uh, I even dig some country, man. You know, there's some country songs that are smooth as hell. Uh, but as far as like the songs that like make up who I am, yeah, a lot of a lot of yeah. it's gonna be centered in R and B and hip hop for sure. Yeah, we can only talk about so many at a time. I'm curious though, what's your favorite reggae music? The reggae song because I want to get more into reggae. Mm. Probably, oh, there's a lot of them. Maybe either Turn Your Lights Down Low. Beautiful. I know that Bob one. Bob Marley. I like the remix. I think, was that a remix or that was the original with Bob Marley and Lauren Hill? That's the remix. I think the original is just Bob Marley. And then they later added in vocals from Lauren Hill later. Gotcha. And then uh, Could You Be Loved is my other all time favorite record song. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. That's, I love Bob Marley. Mine is, uh, I went to college at a small town that had a really big Caribbean population, like a huge Caribbean population on campus. Oh. And I would go to these Caribbean parties that would start at like three. Have you ever been to a Caribbean party? Oh, yeah, you know it. So they would start after the like Greek parties, like after the Kappas and oh, Alphas yeah. and like two, three in the morning. And you just, oh, oh, was that? Are you an Alpha? Yeah. Oh, my God. You know I'm an AKA, right? Did I know that? I think I did. I, mean, I didn't know. I forgot if I didn't know. Yeah, I'm out for though. Well, now we know. Look at that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. Small yeah. world. Well, then you've probably heard the song Rum and Red Bull. That is my shit. Rum and Red Bull? No, I haven't heard that one. I'm drinking rum and Red Bull. I have heard that song. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes, yes. That's a great song. Uh, 
What's the enzyme? Hit him with the no. Yes. Oh, man. There's some breaking music. I can't help but get up and dance, like straight up. Like I have to get up and dance. Yes. It's the kind of thing that'll make you get a ticket in traffic if you're like too into this. Facts, song. facts. <laughs> like uh, upbeat reggae music, like Roman Rainbow, for example, is really, really, really good cardio music. And it's really good, like, I don't know, getting ready for a party music. It's, it's great at the party, but it's really good, like, pre-party music, too. To, like, really in the mood to, yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, there's something about, honestly, the pre-party playlist is always better than the party oh, playlist. Because it's what you wanted facts. to hear. Facts. 100%. 100%. <laughs> 100%. All right. Cruising's a fantastic song. You've already kind of broken down. It's not a, it doesn't remind you of someone special, does it? Is it just, in general, it just makes you happy? Um, yeah, not, not, not anyone specifically, just in general. It's just a really smooth ass, put me in a good mood. Um, you know, just a grateful ass song. It's a good song. It's a small, it's a small, it's a small thing song. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like one of those songs that helps you focus on the small things. Like, you know, just kind of centers yourself a little bit. That. That actually is really valid. I think a lot of people are dealing with so much anxiety and stress and trying to find their place. And sometimes it's good to just have something that helps you appreciate exactly where you're at. Yeah. And that's what it feels like. Like, just cruise. Just right. enjoy just cruise, exactly man. What Whatever will be, will be. And you can rest your head on that, you know? I say all the time, in order to cast the dreams you follow, you must enjoy the chase. That's, that's the biggest thing. You must enjoy... The chase. That sounds like some shit. A dude who says, "What are we? You must enjoy the hey, chase." Listen, <laughs> in order to catch the man that you want <laughs> of your desires, you must enjoy the chase. <laughs> yeah, then I then I open the window and I let her free. Number five, wrapping up the playlist of your life. Number, is it Pretty Wings? That would be great. <laughs> I mean, it, it might be. I got to listen to this one one more time because I had no idea it was a breakup song. That's hilarious. Um, <laughs> my fifth song is probably Dom Kennedy's Platinum Chanel. Have you heard this song? Oh, no. Jasmine. Are you going to judge Jasmine, me again? Jasmine, Jasmine. Okay, this song is important because for you to listen to it's just a great song anybody anybody born in la especially the inner city of la this song represents their swag uh, if you want to understand la swag this is the perfect song to understand la swag like all right describe la swag for me I can't, in three words dom kennedy's platinum chanel that's four words but now nah, it's just all right. La swag is like in three words. You say three words. Yeah, I'll give you three. Oh, you know what? I'll let you have four. four. I'll let okay, you have four. four. Yeah. It's like. <sighs> I wish I could see what a, a painting he looks like right now. He's got the skyline of San Francisco <laughs> behind him because he uses digital backgrounds, and he's reaching out one arm like he's Hamlet, about to like I barely knew you into yeah. the air. It's a, Go it's on. uh, it's like Kool Aid light sugar. That's that's, that's LA swag for you, man. Kool Aid like, light sugar. Yeah, like we're cool, but we're not trying to be. We just are, you know. We're not putting on extra none of that stuff. Chucks, hoodie, 
you know we cool because we are not because we're trying to be but that's a that's listen to that song man platinum chanel it's a dope it's just a great song to it's a great nice car song you know it's a great song to mm. listen to with the windows down on like a drive to vegas or a drive to a party um it's just a swaggerific song that song runs through the veins of every la dude born every la dude that's a millennial born in la it's a smooth ass song dom kennedy's Planet chanel man it's a great song i'm seeing a pattern here is it's it's like if i were to describe your playlist it is motivated self-assured but understated and confident yes there's a there's a there's a laid back cool to everything that you've chosen like the the general if you put them together mm-hmm. and kind of you know if you just turn eminem's verse down a little bit right. I, I refuse to believe that he was on beat and comfortable that, that I one came i in promise you that recent eminem and no no shade to him because he's one of the best rappers ever top five for sure arguably easily um but more recent Eminem is just I would talk to my little brother about this maybe like a few months ago it does sound he's like a, a half a second off beat just ha- half yes. a second just like literally 0.5 but this it's Eminem like this Eminem was on he's on point it's like he like you know I don't know is he doing the shit over zoom and it's a little bit of a right line, right you know like this I mean? he gotta fire his engineer or something writing. yeah he's not writing the beats anymore he just and he kind of it just sounds like something Cody punches walls to. Yeah. Like it just, it's different. So if you tell me that there's a a slightly cooler sounding Eminem, I believe you. Because without that, it's a pretty chill sounding, but like very self-assured, maybe even slightly cocky, which might be how people would describe your persona on stage well, a me? little bit. Uh, so, nah, but that's how people describe my persona on stage? A little bit, no? <laughs> Look, if you ask me, every single comedian is can be described as cocky to to walk on stage and think hundreds of people care about what the fuck is coming out of my mouth to the point where they'll pay tickets you have to be cocky at some some or some part of the spectrum to think people one day wants to pay you great money to hear you just talk (laughs) you know no no instrumental no band no dancers no fire no glitter no you know what i'm saying (laughs) I'm paying good money to come here, Jasmine. Talk. Oh, Jasmine, cocky as hell. <laughs> I will say, post COVID has made me feel crazier than ever. Because it was one thing to talk in a comedy space, but now that I'm like literally like standing on beaches telling jokes, like I was two days ago, I'm like, oh, I must really believe in myself. Yeah. Because I think these people who went to the beach want to hear me. Nah, facts. <laughs> and you should. You have everything you have. You know, it's just really about just taking care of yourself. You know. That's it. Just emotionally, because the game is tough. But other than that, just staying consistent. Staying consistent. I love that. So the last section of the show we like to do is a little bit of an advice segment. I originally asked people to send in voicemails. Motherfuckers are scared. They won't do it. They will not send me voicemails. I can't get them to do it, but I have gotten some emails. So what we do is I tell you a situation and you just offer some advice. And then we try to think of a song 
that would be a good dedication for this person in their particular situation. So let me dig into the advice bag real quick. This isn't an advice question. It's just more of a curiosity question. Mm -hmm. But I'd love your answer on it because I don't have a good answer because I've only lived in L.A. for five and a half minutes. But you, you're from California, so you might know this. Have you ever thought a famous person was hot until you met them? And not because of their person, not because of their looks, but because of their personality. I would say no. That hasn't happened. No. Uh, that hasn't happened to me yet. Everybody I've met that's like could be considered a celebrity has been either pretty much how I thought they would be in person, better, mm-hmm. or the time spent together with that person wasn't enough for me to actually be fair in a judgment. You know? What I would say to people that's asking these types of questions is when you do run into celebrities, please remember. There are also regular people that have bad days too, you know, uh, and you know, in certain spaces when they get like private time, uh, I, I, I'll tell you a story, a coworker I had, she was a teacher and she was telling me this, like, oh, I don't, George Lopez, you know, is a bad person. That's what she said. I was like, oh, what, why would you say that? What happened? And she was like, she was like, well, I bought tickets to go see him in Vegas and he was great. And then after the show, uh, I didn't get a chance to meet him. But then when I went to dinner a few hours later, he was there with his family and I walked up to his table and asked for a picture and he was like, not right now, I'm trying to, you know, eat with my family. Like, uh, you know, that he was, he was kind of mean about it. I was like, well, yeah, you're interrupting his private space <laughs> with his family. Celebrities of that magnitude doesn't get too much time alone with their loved ones. And so when they do get private time, it's very special to him. And a lot of times, you know, you have, you have so many things in your plate you could be working on something, etc., to try to keep giving people what they want so you can maintain this fame. And you might need to be in a certain head, like the same way you have dividers, right, in, in your home mm-hmm. desk so you can focus. Sometimes celebrities just need that time alone to just, but when they see a random person, that random person forgets, all they know is you're a celebrity. I don't care if you're at the bank. I don't care if you're at your a baby shower. <laughs> it's like, I need this picture for my Instagram page. So I think people forget um, you know, that they're, they're normal people too. Now. Great answer. Fantastic answer. I, I even, my jaw dropped a little bit when your coworker said that, because I was like, oh my God, he's eating with his family. But I think, you know, I think it's easy for people like you and me to, because like, we've been halfway on the other side of it. Like when you're in, in the middle of like bumfuck Idaho and someone who saw you at a show is excited to see you there, you're excited. You're happy they, they, you appreciate that they appreciate you, but you also still want your privacy. Yeah. So like I you, you can get that and so I I can't imagine what it's like to be at a George Lopez level where this happens to you every minute of every day yeah. or anytime people recognize That's... you and yeah I can see why your coworker was confused and didn't really realize that like in that moment he wasn't on yeah. he wasn't he was just being whoever he is and he needed his time with his people right. so I think thank you so much for like dissecting that question and for really finding out what the root of it was which was like this person's curious about that because they're thinking okay, if I meet a celebrity, how will they treat me? But really, it's like, just remember they're people. Yeah, just be just be people. And don't feel like they, they owe you anything because essentially they, they, they really don't, you know? A lot of times a person that you're approaching, uh, you know, they did their part. They performed. They gave you a show. They hung out. They took a picture with you. And now they're in this whole different space that has nothing to do with, you know, when they're at work. So if you want a picture or whatever, or a hug, all that is fine. I don't know too many celebrities that I know personally that wouldn't want to not want to do that. But 
if they don't want to do that, you also have to respect that answer. It's okay to ask, but you got to respect the answer just because you never know what somebody's dealing with health-wise, anxiety. They could be, they could be introverts. Just because somebody's a celebrity don't mean they're not an introvert, right? All, all types. They could be a woman and you're a man asking for a hug. It's like, no, I don't, I don't, sorry, sir. I don't want to hug you in the dark yeah. by the ATM. I've been on the receiving <laughs> yeah. end of hugs that weren't great. I've been on like where I've literally had to be like, you grabbed my ass. Don't do that again. Yeah, seriously. And Oh, what's the problem? I'm like, yeah, the problem is, well, you talked about your ass on stage. You're sure right I did. Right. Doesn't give you the right to touch me. Exactly. Like, so let's not <laughs> pretend like that everybody's normal and some celebrity may choose in a certain situation to be safe rather than sorry. Right. And if they do allow you into their space, be respectful of their time and keep it short. Don't drag on with some 40 minute story, you know, about you and your granny. That's, you know, because time is money, especially when you're as big as somebody, you know, can, can, can become time is money. Time is literally money. And they're, you know what I'm saying? They're spending it with you. So just to be respectful. Of I will say, this is why a lot of people have their handlers. And I remember my sister was there with me the day the guy grabbed my ass. And she goes, you need, you need people. You need, <laughs> I was like, I'm not important enough for people. She's like, no, you need people. You need people to be like, Miss Ellis is not doing hugs today. You know what that's like? <laughs> not fast. You need somebody to be the bad person. Yes, you know, quote unquote like, bad, you know. Oh man, that lady who was with her with the clipboard yeah. was a bitch. And they're not mad at so-and-so. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the coworker who was like, oh, George Lopez was a butthole. This is the same one that tell the students to hold their questions to the end of class. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like, <laughs> let's, let's remember their people too, man. So in order, and like what we try to do to keep the flow of doing a, po- a playlist to this, I'm going to choose the song Everyday People by Sly and the Family Stone. Because you got to remember I that, that I Everyday, everyday people. people. Facts. I love that. I, I can't think of a better song to describe what we just talked about. Okay. I, I was torn between that and Ordinary People, but I feel like Sly and the Family Stone is a little bit better. Yeah. Because Ordinary People's a love song, kind of. It is. It is, for sure. Although... Is that is that a little bit of a fuckboy love song? Because it's like, he's like explaining that they don't know what they're doing. Like she's like, yeah, we don't know which way to go. We're just oh no, that's not what. That's just a man being. Look, look, man, I'm trying my best. You trying your best. Do you want to continue? That's great. If not, don't be too hard on yourself. Don't be too hard on you know on me. We're just ordinary people. Just because two people don't work out. That necessarily mean that person is bad or this person is bad or this person's fault or that person's fault. It just wasn't a good match. We're just mm-hmm. ordinary people. Let's move on. Now, mind you, Jake, uh, not J. Cole, uh, John Legend has one of the best breakup songs out there. It's on the same album. Um, you remember that song? Used to Love You? <gasps> yes. Yes! Used to Love You. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. Oh, it's such a good song. Um, oh, man. He, he, he has a cheetah song on the album, too. Whose song? Remember? I think him and Kanye. And Snoop Dogg's on it too. Mm. He, he hold he about hold hands in a different country and with this little side chick. <laughs> hands in they, a oh, different yeah. oh yeah, they don't have to know. We'll go to the other side of town. So I. <laughs> wow, man! If you say anything smooth enough, you get away with you it. You get away with it. You. Oh, I mean, girls, I don't think girls. Girls are the queens of. Uh, you know, those type of songs. Oh, Break I mean, I know because Save Room is on his other album and that one is absolutely like, Save Room for My Love. And in the video, he has like seven different girlfriends. Like he's like basically saying, you know, I'll squeeze you in after I see her. Yeah. So after I see her. Facts. After I see her. <laughs> that's, a, that's a superstar's lifestyle. You know? It's like, 
a, a real significant other sometimes can work. It's really hard to find a person that's great with the schedule. So you just have many girlfriends or many boyfriends or whatever you do. You know? That sounds like more work to me. I can't. I barely. Like, oh, no, no, no. Because it's not like, oh, I, we got to send each other's, you know, gifts every weekend. It's not like that. It's like when I'm in town, we're together. And when I'm not, we're not. Saving by my love <laughs> no. a little. <laughs> I think this is my new favorite impression. Maxwell accepting a compliment or deflecting yeah. a co- Maxwell deflecting commitment. <laughs> yeah, facts. Yeah. Hey, Maxwell, we saw you uh, post that Black Lives Matter post. Do you want to show up to the March tomorrow and give a few words? <laughs> oh, man. If Maxwell somehow listened to this and had a problem with this, I'd be so flattered. If, Max- oh, no, no. if Maxwell's people be- hear this. No, he'll be laughing his ass off. Maxwell's great. Oh, great. All right. Well, that is going to wrap it up for Rhythm and Bay Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jasmine Ellis. If you had fun and enjoyed the show and you want to find Shenandu, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at my apartment. Oh, no, I'm joking. Um, on Twitter, it's Chinadu Comedy. That's Chin E-D-U Comedy. Or on Instagram, Chinadu Unaka. That's Chin E-D-U U-N-A-K-A. And listen to my comedy album, Mostly Kidding. It's everywhere. Spotify, Apple, Amazon, wherever you listen to anything, you can catch it there. Awesome. We're going to be listening to your album. And thank you so much for doing the podcast and uh, not getting too mad at me for saying you're wrong, your name pretty fucking wrong. I'm sorry. I just. <laughs> hey, you won't be the first. You won't be the last. I am so sorry, sorry. Chenadu. Thank you so much for being on the show and putting up with me because I just so confidently said it wrong. Um, if you guys enjoyed the show and you want to hear more of it, make sure you follow Rhythm and Bay Podcast on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Rhythm and Bay Podcast. Instagram at Instagram.com slash Rhythm and Bay Podcast. Remember, that's Bay as in B-A-E, like the term of endearment. And on Twitter at Bay Rhythm and. I fucked it up and I cannot fix it. So it's Bay Rhythm and on Twitter. Deplorable, terrible, embarrassing, right? Anyways, follow us. Keep supporting the podcast. And most of all, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. That's how people find us. And give us five stars if you're enjoying the show. As always, I'm Jasmine Ellis. And you guys, stay safe and stay smooth.